John, I have to admit, uh, after spending most of my life watching bad Timberwolves teams, I'm almost enjoying seeing the reaction to a home loss against Giannis and Dane Lillard as, as some kind of cause of panic. Now, they, listen, they didn't play well. They played a horrible third quarter uh, and beat them up for 24 hours, if you like. It is amazing how the standard has shifted for this franchise. Yeah, it, it is. And, and I do think it kind of speaks to a team that certainly has accomplished a lot for the, through the first part of this season, but clearly still does have a lot of skepticism around it just because it has not accomplished anything on the big picture in the playoffs in, you know, over the long haul. And so until they absolutely 100% show that they are not the Timberwolves of old, that they will not disappoint with a first round playoff loss or something like that. Every loss that they do have is going to carry a little more weight with it because there's so much, of the um, baggage that Timberwolves fans, that league observers who are used to not having to worry about the Timberwolves see. And so they don't have the benefit of the doubt right now. And I understand that. That's just part of it. And they are trying to do something they haven't done forever. And so until they do it, there is going to be probably some overreaction, probably some nail biting and nervousness that comes from a loss uh, for them much more than it would for any other team. No doubt about it. He's John Krasinski. This is the John Krasinski Show, part of TalkNorth.com. If you like the show, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. Check out TalkNorth.com for all of our other sports, outdoor, and variety shows, and subscribe to the ones you like. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. We want to thank Defined Destinations, TSR Injury Law, Head Flyer Brewing, and Lamb Chops uh, clothing. We'll tell you more about them later. There's also a promo code for Lamb Chops clothing line, John K20, J-O-N-K-20, to get 20% off. It's a great deal. We highly recommend their product. Uh, let and let me get the name right, Shepherd Goods and Lamb Chops clothing line. Uh, let's get into what happened on Friday night. Is there anything concerning or do you think it's just a one-off game? Well, I do think that we look at, um, when you look at both Friday and Saturday and the, even the win over the Nets, the the offensive continuity and the flow and the rhythm that they had going into the break has not materialized coming out of it. And it could just be a little rust. It could be guys, you know, kind of just getting back into the swing of things after a week off. Um, you know, a cat and ant both played in the all-star game, so they didn't have as much time to rest. But um, I, 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 I think that, what you, what Wolves fans and what the Timberwolves themselves wanted to see coming out of the break was more of the synergy offensively that they saw in like the 10 games prior to the All-Star break. Because at that point, I think they were number three in the offensive efficiency over their previous 10 games. And I mean, they were just really looking much sharper offensively, making quick decisions, not turning the ball over knocking down open shots, all of those things. And so then, um, especially in the Milwaukee game, I thought, Jim, um, they just missed so many shots that they normally make. Um, you know, Anthony Edwards was missed seven of his first eight threes. Nas Reed was two for 10. Carl Anthony Towns was not as efficient as he normally is. And so um, they could not get that going. And when they did start to miss shots, I think it really affected everything else 
within their uh, their game, the defense in the third quarter, concentration, focus, all of that. And even after winning against Brooklyn on Saturday, there, it, it didn't really solve a lot of the concerns coming out of the break. They, they looked like a team that needs another couple of practices that has to sort of refocus and get in to get that offensive flow and that decision-making back because it was really, really good before the break. And these two games since the break, it has not been good. Any real concern over Gobert's uh, health at the moment? Not, I don't believe so. Uh, it was a sprain, and I talked to him on Friday night after the Milwaukee game when he did sprain the ankle. He thought that there was actually a chance that he was going to play on Saturday against Brooklyn in that back-to-back. I think that keeping him out was more of a precaution than anything else. And so um, it, I would expect that by Tuesday um, against San Antonio they, that you could see him back in the lineup. We're, gonna, we're, going, we're recording this on Monday going to check in at practice with him um, and see how things are going uh, in the afternoon. But I I don't think it's going to, it's definitely not going to be a long-term thing, but um, if, if anything, maybe one more game because they're this homestand that they have, Jim is really kind of wonky. They have seven games in a row to start the, uh, the post all-star break stretch run, but there's three sets of back-to-backs within those seven games. So it's really kind of compressed and and different and so they might have to be a little creative in how they handle gobert or anybody else just with the minutes load and 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 things of that nature so we'll see but it's definitely not going to be anything like a week or two weeks or anything like that i think you'll see him back on the court really really soon here it is a strange homestand and a long homestand it's a long homestand in terms of number of games it's a short stand in terms chronologically but it also highlights just how fun this league is right now. You get uh, Giannis and Dame Lillard coming in on Friday night. Uh, the Nets aren't much. Uh, but then you got Victor coming in uh, tomorrow. You got the Grizzlies who have improved coming on Wednesday. Then the Kings who were highly entertaining on Friday. Then the Clippers probably wanting to get a little revenge on Sunday. And then, you know, a bad Trailblazers team Monday before they take off for their long road trip. But uh, this is... You know, it's it's kind of a dream landscape if you're an NBA executive. You just, I mean, the, like the Spurs. The Spurs are a bad team, but Wembenyama is is fascinating. It's like almost every team has either a playoff chance or a star you're interested in. Yeah, and I think that's a, a lot of why you're hearing so many, uh, so much talk about expansion right now. Mm-hmm. On uh, you know, on top of the fact that it would be an incredible amount of money coming into the owners' pockets, which they love. Um, I think that also there is just a recognition that there is a, 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 a we're in a golden era of talent for the league. And even the really bad teams have really good players. And, and, and so I think from the depth of talent perspective, most every team is going to bring someone in on a nightly basis where you say, oh, I'm really looking forward to seeing this guy play, or I'm really looking forward to seeing this coach and his systems go, uh, you know, and, and how they fit. And, and so um, it, it's really, you know, it, it's as good as I've ever seen it. And, um, and I think that that is also why defense is so difficult to come by in the league nowadays, outside of the Timberwolves and just a few other teams. There are so many guys even the fifth, sixth, seventh options on teams 
are capable of scoring 20 points in a game. And, um, and so, you know, outside of, you know, the, you know, Memphis that is just so injured or outside of, you know, even Detroit has really good players that are interesting and young and, and, and you want to see how they develop um, and, and San Antonio's in that too. So yeah, there's always entertainment and there's always reason to go and, 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 and watch a game or, or certainly watch it at home on TV because um, it's, it's just, it's really high level basketball right now. And where is Victor in his development right now? What what do you think the true ceiling for him is? Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see him this time this week, Jim, because the Wolves played a bunch of games against San Antonio early in the season. And you could tell that he was going to be an incredibly talented player. Um, but it was certainly in the very early stages of him figuring himself out, of the team figuring out, you know, how to play with him all of those things. And so it's, it was up and down lately. He has been really showing just an incredible array of talents, excuse me, from, from, you know, just the offense, the defense, everything there is just amazing. And by the way, I'll, I'll interrupt here for a second. John, John's having some computer problems today. He has also got a, has a cold. So Brandon does a great job of making these uh, shows sound great. This might not sound 100% as great as the others, just because of circumstances. Bear with us. We'll get back to normal next week. Yeah, thanks for hanging with me. Just got a little cough here. But, uh, but yeah, but Weminyama, the Weminyama that we see this week at Target Center is going to be far more advanced than the one you saw earlier in the season against the Wolves. And he is a load every single night. He's scoring, passing, shooting, playing great defense. They don't have much around him right now. They're still losing a bunch of games. But he has reached another level, and he's running away with that Rookie of the Year award. No doubt about it. Let's go back to expansion here briefly. Um, I had a conversation with uh, Lavelle and Roy on the Chin Music Baseball show, and I was asking, could baseball really work in Vegas? And by the time, and, and I was skeptical by the end of the conversation. I was like, yeah, you're right. Twins fans would go spend three or four days in Vegas and go to the ballpark and then do all the other fun things in Vegas. It, it makes a lot of sense. The NBA is even more, much more of a Vegas type entertainment vehicle than baseball. If they expand, do you see it being Vegas and Seattle, or it might be there's some other options? Yeah, no, I think I think that's it. I think it's Vegas and Seattle. I think LeBron James is lining himself up to eventually own that Vegas team. And so that's where all the betting money for you know, pardon the pun, is going in towards those two cities. And I, I agree with you, Jim, in terms of I think that um Vegas is a is an NBA city. Um you know, uh, playing there uh, 41 nights a year. They, they, they've done really well with hockey there. Uh, but I just think the glitz and the glamour of it, the way that, you know, the league kind of markets itself, the the ties that they've had to Vegas since for at Summer League for years and years, I think it all makes a lot of sense for a team to be there. Um, and so I think it's going to be, it has a chance to be a great success there and just really kind of fit in with the lifestyle there, the, you know, the, um, the, just the overall vibes of Vegas. It feels like an NBA city. No doubt about it. And, uh, we're talking about two cities where the WNBA has thrived. The Seattle franchise is very popular, uh, in the WNBA. And of course it was a great basketball town before that with the, the Sonics and, yeah, uh, the WNBA has thrived in Vegas. I have friends who live in Vegas who go to their games, who love the atmosphere. And it almost feels like 
you know, if you walk through the Bellagio lobby and then walk into an NBA arena, there ain't that much difference, really. No, that's right. And and players love to go. Um, and and so I think also with with so many of the um, the so much of the uh, the NBA schedule, regular season schedule happening late fall into winter, uh, it's just going to be a, a great destination for fans. Minnesota, Milwaukee, Chicago, New York, Philly, like everyone will take Vegas trips when their teams are out there um, and, and, and get a chance to go see them and hang out for a weekend or, or whatever it is and, 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 and post up. So um, the other thing that might happen, might, might, is if you bring in Vegas and Seattle, uh, maybe the, the Wolves would move to the Eastern Conference. I think there's hmm. a couple of, you know, you have New Orleans, you have Memphis as other possibilities of moving east. But I think like if they re kind of configure the NBA map kind of more regionally with some of their divisions, it makes a ton of sense to move the Wolves east and put them with Chicago, Indiana, Milwaukee, Detroit, something like that in some sort of a central division type of a thing. And I think that would be a, a great thing um, for the Wolves and their fans as well. Uh, no doubt about it. All right, I'm going to ask you another expansion question. We're going to get back into some nitty-gritty stuff with the Timberwolves and the upcoming schedule. First, tell us about your Defined Destinations trip. Defined Destinations, go to defineddestinations.com. I am going to Spain at the end of August, August 22nd through 29th. If you go to Defined Destinations and look for A Taste of Spain with John Krasinski, we are just going to go to Madrid and Barcelona over that seven days. And if you sign up for the package, you get four-star hotels in the hearts of both cities. You get um, tour guides to show you around to museums, to all sorts of you know different landmarks in two of the most exotic cities in the world. We have great meals planned. We will spend some time together. You will also get plenty of time to spend on your own exploring if you want to come with a significant other, with kids, with, um, with you know, co-workers, any you know, Wolves fans, whoever it is. Um, you're gonna have plenty of time together with the group. We're gonna have plenty of time to explore on our own as well. Madrid and Barcelona will have um, a sangria and tapas tour. We're gonna go all over, just really exploring a, a country I've not been to yet, but I've just heard so many good things about. If you sign up by May, then we can all go together and uh, and have a great time. And so, go, again, go to defineddestinations.com. Search for A Taste of Spain with John Krasinski, and let's all go and have an unforgettable trip to Spain at the end of August. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Service studio. We also want to thank longtime sponsor of this show and many other shows across the network, TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR Time. You know, you see the billboards. Sometimes you see Steve Terry sitting courtside at Timberwolves games. We actually know Steve. We know their organization. We trust them. If you're ever injured, just call 612-TSR Time. They'll take care of you. That's the simplest way to look at it. If you're injured, you need help. You're going to need ethical, quick, reliable help. You're going to get it by calling 612-TSR-TIME. Uh, my other question about expansion is, there's no doubt there are enough good basketball players in America or in the world to support two more teams. Are there enough marketable stars? Well, I mean, I, I do think that there are right now. Um, I do think that what I would like to see, to be quite honest, Jim, is as if they do expand um, and you get more teams in, I would not mind seeing the NBA try to shift 
some of its marketing focus and emphasis away from individual stars and to the teams. Um, they do they, The NBA has done a better job than any league in marketing their stars. It's been great for them. It has been, um, from a global perspective, it has, it has created interest. It has raised um, all sorts of enthusiasm about the league. They've done a very good job that way. These, these stars that have become global brands and it's been healthy for the league. But I do think that the league can do a better job of trying to take something away from the way the NFL has marketed itself, where all of the teams become very important entities. And it, I think if they can kind of start to address one of the main criticisms of the league is that, you know, if you're not in a big market, you're not getting the same kind of attention um, and it's, and, and fans there do not feel like they're on the same level as, you know, the Lakers or the Knicks or, you know, teams uh, of that nature. Um, I think that that's counterproductive for the league. So um, I do think that the, the amount of talent, I think there's marketable guys. There's, there's at least, you know, 15 to 20, like superstar players. And, and even, even some of the 20 to 30 uh, are, are very marketable and, and will connect with fans. But I think that the league would be wise to try and shift some of that and to just focusing on the teams themselves so that these fans who are in these markets, let's face it, Vegas is a small market. It would be a, a small market team. Um, and I, I think that it would help if, if fans felt like they were on equal footing with, with, the, with the bigger guns, with the Warriors and the Lakers and those teams, uh, if, if there was more of an emphasis that way. I asked about Gobert's health earlier. Uh, Edwards obviously took it easy at the All-Star game. Do you have any real concerns about his knee? I don't think so. Um, you know, he has, like, really over the last couple of years, you've seen kind of a little soreness in his knee pop up from time to time, and he's needed a couple of games here or there. Um, he'll bump it. He'll, he'll knock knees on a drive, and, and he'll come up hobbling, and then he always comes back. So I don't think that there's anything that, right now that he's playing through that is anything more than what most players are feeling at this time of year their whole body aches like they are um they have to do a really good job of getting their treatments taking care of their bodies and at 22 years old i think that's something that anthony edwards is still learning about and still figuring out and so um it's going to be critical for him down the stretch to really kind of lean into all of the resources that the Wolves have for him from a player development and player health standpoint, because there's a real possibility that this team is playing into May and, you know, maybe even into June if everything goes well. And so he's going to need to be in tip top shape for him to kind of really be able to absorb the grueling grind of it. And I think that anything that we've seen so far from him um, you know, with kind of the soreness that he feels is just part of the daily grind of it and him getting used to playing when he is not feeling 100%. And so um, that's the situation right now with Ant. And one of the admirable things about Edwards has been his eagerness, his willingness to play through pain, to, to not take load management days. Uh, as these conversations go forward, do you think there's any difficulty in getting him to take, play fewer minutes or fewer games if he is hurting? Yeah, I, I don't. I I don't think so. I mean, he certainly wants to play. 
Um, and he wants to be out there all the time. It's important to him. It's important to the Timberwolves organization to have a culture that speaks to players being able to um, to show up and and play through things and not take nights off. But I think I think they have six more sets of back to backs in these final 25, 26 games. So this, the, the schedule is very compressed right now. And I think that if they get to a point where he is feeling really sore and they have the second night of a back-to-back, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he would take one night and, and, and try and you know, ease some of the, the burden on him. But given where they are in the standings and really wanting to get that number one seed and get as many home playoff games as possible, they can't really afford to be resting anybody um, too much. So they will obviously want to be fully loaded and, and fully healthy for the playoffs. That's the, the most important thing. But they're also playing for seeding right now, which for them, I believe, is even more important than for, say, a Denver Nuggets team that's already been there and done that and knows the, how to navigate a playoffs. These The Wolves have never been there, never done that. And so um, they're going to have to get as much Anthony Edwards as they can to get as many wins as they can and, 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 and try and, you know, be top one, two, three in the West. Uh, John, tell us about Shepherd Goods and Lamb Chops clothing line. Uh, we will be at the end of this podcast. We will uh, take a, a Twitter question and give away a free Shepherd Goods, Lamb Chops clothing beanie. Um, and so stick around for that. But uh, sglambchops.com, that's sglambchops.com. You go there, you're going to find unbelievably high quality, super comfortable clothes made by Jordan Dye, Craig McCall, everyone and all the good folks over there. You you recognize Jordan from sitting courtside with the colorful hair, with the kind of uh, very enthusiastic, should we say, interactions with players on both teams um, that he, he is wont to do. But I've been wearing Shepherd Goods, Lamb Chops clothing for years now. Uh, they have incredibly comfortable hoodies they have some of my favorite shorts i've ever worn are lamb chop shorts and what you recognize when you put these on is they are super high quality you can wear them forever they will stick with you they're super stylish as well they're they're cool stuff go to sglambchops.com use the promo code john k20 j-o-n-k-20 for 20 percent off any of your uh, merch at uh, SG Lamb Chops and uh, go there. You'll find something that you really like. They are embedded with the Wolves. If you're Wolves fans, support the people who support us. SGLambChops.com. Again, promo code JohnK20, J-O-N-K-20 for 20% off all of the merch there. Uh, also, we want to thank Headflyer Brewing, a great spot that also hosts a lot of our John Krasinski shows. Yeah, a lot of you were in uh, at, at the uh, Chris Finch show uh, in February, right before the All-Star break, which was an awesome time. I am going to be meeting with the folks uh, at Headflyer this week to line up another show, hopefully pre-playoffs. Um, Headflyer is super excited about all the success the Wolves have had and the success this show has had. And so we're trying to do as much as we can to collaborate. And one thing that you can do to help support us is support them and go to head flyer brewing in northeast minneapolis they have excellent beers high quality stuff they have seltzers 
um, anything you could ask for that you that you want in terms of a drink at, while you're sitting out. The it's 60 degrees today here in Minnesota. Go out, sit in the patio at Head Flyer. Have yourself a beer. They have flat. And bring screen your TVs. dog. Bring your dog. They have flat screen TVs to watch the games. Um, Wolves or Wild or anyone that that you want to. And they're just great people. So you'll go there. You'll be very comfortable in their tap room. You can find their beers in your local liquor stores as well. And so uh, stop by headflyerbrewing.com. Tell them the John Krasinski Show sent you. Yes. Yeah, so let's get to a popular question on the ESPN car wash these days. Uh, who is going to be the next face of the NBA? And does Anthony Edwards have a chance to be that player? What do you think? Yeah, I think he does, Jim, because, you know, one of the, 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 the interesting parts about this modern era of the league is that the influx of international talent has been obviously a boon. Like there are just great, great players coming in. It's made every team better. Um, but when you look at the top of the food chain in the NBA, you have Nikola Jokic, you have Joel Embiid. You have Giannis Antetokounmpo. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is Canadian. He's coming in um, and has played at a really high level. A lot of the very best players in this uh, in the league right now are international players. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But there certainly is an opening for an American player to really kind of come in and be the, the American face at, at, at least. And what we have seen is American players resonate with the larger NBA fan base in America a little bit more. So LeBron James, Steph Curry, Michael Jordan, all of those. Anthony Edwards has the charisma, has the dynamic style of play, is winning at a level that is helping to raise his profile. Um, he certainly just has a high Q score with everyone. I was at Indian, uh, All-Star Weekend in Indianapolis, and. Steph and LeBron and several players of the older NBA guard were asked, you know, who's who's who are they going to pass the baton to when when they're done here? And Anthony Edwards' name was mentioned by everyone, in addition to you know Luca and Jason Tatum and um, and a bunch of other guys, Shea and a bunch of other guys. But the the um, the opportunity is there for Anthony Edwards to be that guy. He's been in a movie. He has his own shoe, like. He's very marketable in addition to the success that he's had on the court. One thing that I will say about it so far is I actually agree with a comment that Draymond Green made on his podcast last week is that if you want to be the face of the league, like of the entire league, not just your franchise, the entire league, there comes a different sort of responsibility with it and probably the face of the league isn't shooting lefty three-pointers in the skills competition at all-star weekend the face of the league probably is playing a little bit more game uh than he than anthony edwards did and competing harder anthony edwards kind of comments after that game about no one really wanting to come here and compete um for a weekend getaway we're, I think one of the telling and frustrating things that some people looked at with just the lack of competitiveness in the All-Star game is you have guys like Anthony Edwards that clearly are not interested in, in putting on that show. Um, you know, so, so I think that at 22 years old, he's still learning 
what is going to be expected of him in that regard. And so I think, you know, when he's 25, 26, could he have a different outlook? Absolutely. Um, but there's still a little bit of immaturity to his game that way that he will have to refine going forward if he does want to be the face of the league because he absolutely can do it. There's just a few more steps in that maturation process that would have to happen before he's fully ready to take that on. A couple more topics today before John gets to his Twitter question. Uh, how is the incorporation and gearing up of Monty Morris going right now? I thought he had his best game so far against Brooklyn. Um, you can see that he is coming in from a team that was very, very bad to a team that is very, very good. And I think that he's trying not to step on toes right now. And what Chris Finch has said several times when we've asked about Monte so far is he's encouraging Monte Morris to be more aggressive offensively. He's a really good shooter. He's a really good pick and roll player. And I think that he, that Monte has tried to kind of come in and just ease his way in. And so you're not seeing a whole lot of stats. You're not seeing um, a, a lot of shots taken or anything like that. And so I think as he gets more comfortable, and as he's around the team and gets in a little bit better shape, I think you'll see that the 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 production improve a little bit more. He's just got to be a little more assertive. And I think right now he's being a, a little too polite. And they need him to be a big part of that second unit. And so uh, there were some you saw some signs of that against Brooklyn. And I think that he he can build on that going forward. Uh, that will that will help this offense a lot. Maybe the premier game of the homestand is the Clippers coming here. Uh, Clippers have been, you know, by record, maybe the best team in the NBA for a couple of months now, and the Wolves absolutely punked them in Los Angeles. How is it too early? I don't know. It's too early, too late, whatever. It, is it the wrong time of the season to call this something of a big game? No, I think it's not. Um, I, I mean, that's the beauty of the Wolves being where they are right now in a jam-packed Western Conference at the top of the uh, of, of the Western Conference, kind of jockeying for position for that number one seed. The, it's airtight, the standings. There's not a lot of breathing room from one through like five in, in, in the seedings right now. And so these games are legitimately big games that are coming up. I think, you know, it's a great week to be a Wolves fan in terms of at the end of the week, you got the Kings on Friday night, which is going to be really fun. And then you have the Clippers on Sunday, which is absolutely uh, a very big um, And you, you have to think that the Clippers have heard some of the analysis saying that, hey, the Wolves have their number. Like this is, you know, the Timberwolves um, just match up well with them. And this is going to, you know, th this is a team that they want to avoid in the playoffs. So they've lost twice already to the Wolves. And I think that they're going to come in with a little edge, with a little chip, and try and send maybe a little bit of a message that that this is different and that they better be that um, you know the wolves better be ready for them. So if the wolves can withstand that and win again and go up 3-0 in the season series with them, that would be an enormous statement uh, for for them to pull off. No doubt. All right, let's get to John's Twitter question. All right, this week's Twitter question for again sglambchops.com. J-O-N-K-20 for 20% off at sglambchops.com. And our, our, our weekly Twitter question comes from Monica Weber, super diehard Wolves fan. 
And uh, she says in watching Saturday's game, which Rudy Gobert did not play against the Nets, did you ever think that Rudy was a key to the offense and not just the defense? And I think it's a great point that Monica brings up because Rudy, I think, is far and away the leader in the clubhouse for Defensive Player of the Year. He's been an incredible impact player on that end for the number one defense in the league, and he gets a lot of attention for his defensive prowess. But one thing that goes overlooked sometimes is what he does offensively, even though he's not a 20-point-a-game scorer, he's not a three-point shooter, he's not any of those things, he still does help this team's offense and to an incredible degree with the screens that he sets, with the offensive rebounding that he brings to the table. Um, he has this kind of little thing that he does where uh, he'll be in the paint, maybe Edwards or someone will be driving to the rim, and it's not a screen, but Rudy kind of just walls off the entire paint, um, the big guys on the other side of him, so that there are clean driving lanes right to the basket. and. It's it, it really helps the offense move. It helps open up spacing and, and get people other people involved. And so, yes, like the their offense in the first three quarters against Brooklyn was really ugly. And I do think part of the reason for that was that Rudy Gobert was not out there doing what he does, doing the dirty work, kind of using his gravity to open things up. And so if he can get back, Tuesday or Wednesday, and then gear up for two big games on Friday and Sunday, that would be a really big help for the Wolves. So congratulations, Monica. You get a free Lamb Chops beanie. I will kind of link you you, uh, you two up in uh, the Twitter DMs and, and get you that. And uh, again, go to sglambchops.com, John K20 for 20% off uh, the merchandise there. Great stuff from John. Thank you. Thanks to Brandon Morton. Thank you to all of our sponsors that make the show and the network thrive. And thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. We'll be back next week and there will be more fun stuff to talk about.